Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MyFit Podcast, hosted by fitness coach, business owner, and CrossFit Games athlete, DJ Hillier. Physical fitness and podcasting are two of his life passions, and his goal is to train, educate, and inspire those who want to improve their general health. These podcasts are designed to help everyone, from the occasional gym member trying to improve their overall wellness, to the fitness enthusiast. The episodes capture a wide spectrum of topics, including training, coaching, nutrition, entrepreneurship, relationships, and mindset. Follow the show on Instagram at the MyFit Podcast and subscribe to his newsletter at djhillier.com. So let's get to it. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is DJ Hillier and you are listening to episode 167 of the MyFit Podcast. This week on the show, I'm honored to chat with award-winning author, meditation teacher, psychotherapist, and founder of the Open Hearted Awareness Institute, Locke Kelly. Locke's teachings synthesize ancient wisdom practices, neuroscience, and contemporary psychology. Locke's mission is dedicated to relieving suffering at its root and supporting people to live from basic goodness. With over 30 years of experience traveling the world and teaching seminars, Locke is full of wisdom and experience that can truly help benefit anybody who is open to it. One of the things that I think a lot about is being more mindful and being more aware of my surroundings, people around me, the thoughts that go in and out of my head, something I post a lot about, I think a lot about, I pray a lot about, I talk a lot about. My mind is really centered recently about centered around being more mindful. And upon some further research about how to become more mindful, I came across the name Locke Kelly and his uh, book, um, Exploring Mindfulness. And I wanted to dive in a little bit deeper and learn about how can I, how can we as a society be more mindful and be more aware? He's the perfect person to talk to. Some of the topics that we get into today were first, understanding and exploring mindfulness. As most people know, I like to set the table in the beginning to get some definitions, get some terms out there that people need to know when it comes to exploring mindfulness. After that, we talked about the difference between deliberate mindfulness and effortless mindfulness. Locke's book is called Effortless Mindfulness, and I wanted to dive into what does it mean to be effortless? After that, we talked about how to become more aware. We talked about flow states and how to optimally enter them. And then we closed down by talking about a quote that I think kind of wrapped everything all together and buttoned it up nicely. And it is, quote, living on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally. There's a lot in this episode. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. And if you do enjoy the conversation, please leave a rating, review, and refer it to a friend. Your five-star feedback helps the show grow tremendously while also helps to bring on more amazing guests like Locke. Thank you guys all for this continued support. I hope you enjoy this episode with Locke Kelly. Let's go. Locke Kelly, welcome to the MyFit Podcast, man. I'm beaming over here. Super excited to learn from you today. Great. Thanks, DJ. It's so great to be here. This will be fun. Awesome. Uh, So the first time I heard the word mindfulness, I was playing college football and my college football coach would always tell us to be mindful, be mindful of who we are when we're walking around campus, be mindful of the teammate we are. And he kept using the word mindful. And I was 18 years old and I was kind of like, man, 
I don't even know what that means, why it's so important. But looking back, that's one of the words that has stuck with me ever since playing college football. And it's something that I think about quite often is how to become more mindful. So when I came across your stuff and I heard mindfulness and meditation and being aware, I was like, man, I got to learn more about this stuff because I think it's just such a key to living um, a happy, healthy, and a, and a life of excellence, really. So where I want to start, Locke, is first, what got you interested in mindfulness? Yeah, well, I mean, you started with sports, so I might as well start with sports too, Perfect. because that's pretty much uh, <clears throat> where my story begins. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, you know, I played uh, sports, you know, all my life. I was kind of a natural athlete and loved, you know, that was my joy. You know, what are we going to do today? Let's go out and have fun. So I played um, <clears throat> ice hockey goalie and uh, I was watching TV and heard this announcer for a football game say he's got eyes in the back of his head and i thought oh i i kind of know what that means that doesn't mean you can see behind you but that's what that feeling is when you feel so i started to do this thing intentionally where i literally would open my peripheral vision with my awareness and keep going around so it felt like 360 degrees and then i drop into my body and then i felt like a cat so it was a kind of an intentional way of getting in the zone or in the flow. Um, and so um, I would do that playing hockey. And then one, one of my friends came in, a, in the locker room. I was a sophomore, said, oh, man, that was such a great game. How did you do it? And I kind of said, you really want to know? <laughs> so I, I take my awareness. I move it around the back, drop into my body. I feel this. Then I feel like <clears throat> the guy's shooting a puck from from the blue line i lose it in the midst of 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 the legs and then my hand goes out and the puck ends up in my glove and and he goes oh cool man and he, he kind of walked away and i was like okay well but then one of the seniors on the team uh next practice came and threw a book at me he said here kid read this and it was zen and the art of archery and i thought oh wow okay so this isn't just sports there's some other group of people that really value this around the world and it's you know it, it's so cool and it's my favorite feeling so what is it and 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 let me find out so it led me from sports into psych into um meditation and psychology and consciousness research and uh you know traveling around the world um to find out what is this all about Article. Is there a definition for mindfulness? I mean, that's the thing. It's kind of interesting in that there are different kinds of mindfulness. And so I'll say that that's one of my key distinctions is what I, uh, the approach I take is called effortless mindfulness. So one of my teachers, which I'll give a little story about later, uh, uh, said there's two kinds of mindfulness, deliberate mindfulness and effortless mindfulness. So 90 nine percent of mindfulness that we know of today is called is deliberate mindfulness which comes from the south indian traditions and um is you know paying attention on purpose intentionally to an activity or an object so that's kind of the john kabat zinn uh definition which Mindfulness, I think, wonderfully has moved from 
what was, you know, kind of a religion to spirituality to consciousness to science and includes, you know, anybody can come in any of those doors. But uh, John Kabat-Zinn brought it into the hospitals and used it to start treating uh, pain and other conditions. So, so that would be the mindfulness definition. So uh, I'll just say what the effortless mindfulness. Uh, so, so most people do these four foundations of mindfulness deliberate. So you pay attention to your thoughts, you pay attention to your feelings, which is like pleasant and unpleasant. You pay attention to objects or a task outside of yourself. And then um, you pay attention to thoughts coming and going. So, um, so it's where are you paying attention from? You develop this kind of attentional one-pointed system. In effortless mindfulness, you actually shift into a higher dimension of focusing, which is flow consciousness. So instead of focusing in narrowing your, um, like the flashlight of your, from your head to an object, your first move is okay, open to a bigger field of what feels like a panoramic or open mind, open heart even, and then hang out there and then feel connected and be aware from there uh, to your body, to whatever task or uh, person or thing you're interested in. And then it feels like you're, you're, you're connected and that your mind isn't wandering. It doesn't have to be um, kind of have blinders on to be focused. So that's kind of a, a simple definition. We can go into it a little bit more, uh, but that's, those are the two kinds of mindfulness and, and uh, you know, def define, defining both. Where does awareness fit in? Is that a synonym or those, is that a different word? How does that fit in the equation? Yeah. So this is one of the keys. And, um, you know, one of the reasons I think I wrote my first book was because of that question, <laughs> because people were like, Oh, uh, attention, consciousness, awareness. What are those? Are those the same? Like I bring my attention to focusing on the lamp in the room. Oh, I bring my focus there. Oh, I, I'm conscious of, of the lamp. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm aware of the lamp. So it feels like they're the same, but this is the key. I mean, I think if there's one simple uh, upgrade like you experienced in with your coach saying what mindfulness is, it's kind of upgrading awareness. Mm. And so there, I think what we try to do in our culture um, is use the muscle of attention, which is actually only one type of awareness. And even now in science and um, it, it, it narrows as if, okay, you got to be one pointed, you got to focus your you know, stay on one thing and use your, you know, don't let your mind wander. If your mind wanders, just bring it back. So that is attentional ability. Mm -hmm. But as you know, and as we all know, especially during the pandemic and just this times, everyone's exhausted. And you can't, you can't keep your focus on one thing for very long. Most people, science say it's like three minutes uh, is, a, is a huge task. Uh, William James, 
the American psychologist said that you can only maintain really attention for five seconds before your mind wanders. And when you sit in meditation, watching your breath, your mind will wander immediately. And the, the idea is to bring it back. So the next, um, so let's say there's attentional ability. I don't want to get too geeky about this, but <laughs> so let's say attention. Everyone knows that's the flashlight, you know, focusing from your mind, paying attention to your breath, paying attention to the you know, screen of a computer or a person. Then the next <clears throat> uh, type of awareness is uh, what's called actually self-awareness, which is the ability to be self-aware of, and that starts to be, um, oh, I'm, I, I could say this, but I won't. So you, you start to have this inner ability to split off within your mind, and in psychology, that's called self-awareness. So that's a type of attention that is really about mature adults. It's developed at one and a half to three-year-olds and kids. They become aware that they're a subject. Then the next type of awareness is mindful witnessing or mindful meditator. And that's the ability to, to kind of open up and be self-witnessing uh, to notice that, that your thoughts are coming and going, that you're not a solid, separate self, that you are thinking, I am thinking this thought, and then you shift out and up this kind of a mindful move, open up to look back from a point of view, mindful witness. And then you can see, oh, I am thinking this thought. Oh, there's not a solid thinker. There's thoughts patterning in this way that what was the subject is now the object. And it's actually not even a solid subject where I was focusing from or thinking from. It's, there's thoughts without a thinker because you're now mindful from a higher, simpler point of view. Mm -hmm. And then I'll just say one, at least one more, which is now if you effortless mindfulness and in flow consciousness, you actually either drop down into your body or open up through the meditator to this more spacious and pervasive awareness that feels embodied and interconnected. And that's where <coughs> Csikszent Mihai, who's the author of Flow, mm -hmm. talks about optimal functioning, or you feel it in sports, uh, your ego drops away, that center that you felt was you, that you were using attention from, <laughs> is now a lower functional ability. And you've now uh, feel this interconnected, time slows down, you feel like you are enjoying, there's kind of a bliss or an ecstasy, even what he calls it, um, of whatever task, even if it's mundane, uh, that feels um, like you're able to focus using this type of awareness, which is what I'm calling effortless mindfulness. So you're mindful from flow consciousness of whatever you're doing. And the key is most people need, you know, seem even writers seem to say, well, you need to do extreme sports or something 
to push yourself beyond um, to get to that flow consciousness. But actually, when you get a feel for how to do it with effortless mindfulness, you can just shift in the middle of a New York City subway into flow consciousness and feel the same way you do when you're snowboarding or dancing or playing music or walking in nature or any of the things that seem to require a certain place or activity or thing that you love, which is everyone's usual doorway of getting in there. I want to get back to flow in a second, but I want to rewind it back. So, Locke, I've been doing these podcasts for about three and a half years. I've recorded you know, 175 shows. And one of my projects recently is trying to pull out some common themes from some of these interviews that I've done and somehow to bring it all together into one or two projects and then see what happens from there. But one of the things I came out with recently was this idea of radical self-improvement. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, a diagram or a, cir- a circular cycle of how to become your best self. And basically the big stages are awareness, intention, process, and action. And it kind of just goes over and over again. And none of this is new stuff. I didn't come up with this, but it's just kind of consolidating what I've been learning. And the by far and away, the biggest um, component of this cycle is awareness. It's the most I have to write about. And it's it, you can't go to stage two or step two of intention unless I have awareness. And I think a lot of people in this world, they they don't have awareness, whether it's spatial awareness, social awareness. They don't have the ability to read the room. Um, they don't really know kind of what's going on outside of their body. So I'm going to ask a very simple question. It might sound stupid, but how does somebody just simply become more aware? How does that happen? Yeah. I mean, this is the thing is that we are so um, uh, focused on tasks and goal, you know, and certainly survival and um, you know, that we're very subject object oriented. And even our, you know, great philosophy say, I think, therefore I am. So we end up creating this thinker that we don't even feel or look back to see who who's there, who's thinking. Right. right. So we're not self-aware. So most people who are self-aware are moving into that psychological level of being self-aware, like, um, okay, I, you know, I'm going to go pick up that, uh, you know, pan off the stove. Oh, don't do that. Remember, you know, remember, you know, the handle is hot. Oh, right. You know, so that one move of being self-aware or, or, or I could say this, okay, wait a minute, just stop, breathe, listen to the person there, let them finish. Okay. You know, so there, that becomes the furthest move. And that's an important, uh, shift of self-awareness. But there's other next levels um, that takes a little, you know, that's what I would say meditation in its bigger sense of the word um, can be added to our self-improvement plan. So the, that, you know, it's like another leg of the table mm-hmm. besides, you know, exercise, nutrition, sleep, relationships, work, and, you know, and now meditation. So meditation is not culturally valued or involved. It's now becoming so. Um, and so it's kind of the, you know, the growing edge. So becoming aware um, is, I think, 
the key is befriending or finding a friendly awareness because what happens is in uh if you just go halfway into kind of a detached witness which is often a transition of many meditation systems people get kind of freaked out mm. because what happens is when you shift out of your ego into a mindful witness that's aware that there is no uh that what was the self is just thoughts coming and going you not only lose the ego but you lose some of the ego defenses and many people get flooded by their unconscious material so this is one of the reasons why effortless mindfulness is very psychologically sensitive and trauma sensitive and is that you open you keep going further to open to this awareness that's embodied and has this capacity to be with whatever parts of you are upset or worried or anxious or have been repressed by um that that you know that other ego system the small self that uh is trying to survive by using attention and getting achievement and driving ahead and setting goals and that's its best case scenario um and at some point it does feel like whether it's midlife or before like that's kind of the the time to to start saying okay is is this all there is i mean as a psychotherapist i would hear in new york city some of the you know most successful human beings would come into my office cuz they'd hear heard about me and the different things i do and they would say like i've got the family the job the the success the money the ex- i'm in good shape i'm health i got to like is that it is that all there is i'm like there's something missing i'm miserable uh, uh, there's an existential hole that i just keep doing more but it's not fixing it and so that awareness is kind of goes from attentional ability to kind of a identity like who am i and then to this feeling of of something that's essential a kind of well-being or an okayness or non striving non fear non worry that isn't just passive and you know people feel like oh if i get in touch with that i'll be a couch potato or i'll never be a motivator but it actually is like a kid on the first day of summer vacation you feel like oh my god everything's okay i can do anything and let's go you know and so that's the the sweet spot of meditation that i'm really interested in is what motivated me to write my books and to teach and to continue to be curious about what is the optimal awareness that is embodied and interpersonal with other and has both not only functionality but compassion mm. so it has not only a bright mind <laughs> but a uh you know a, a tender heart that is a wise heart well said i love it i think one of the biggest things too about self awareness and you kind of alluded to it already is identifying first who am i but then also i think another big component too lock is noticing that there's a voice in your head and number 1 noticing it and then number 2 
understanding is it a weakness of yours or is it a weapon is that something that you're, you're using as a as a bright spot in your life or are you somebody who talks really negatively to yourself i think that's really big one thing that i learned from dr jim lair is a sports psychologist he talks a lot about aligning your outer voice with your inner voice and the more aligned you can get with the inner and outer obviously the more happy you are the more aligned you are with your with your goals and, and aspirations talk to me a little bit about if you have any thoughts about how people talk to themselves the inner voice how you can align that do you have any thoughts research or ideas on that yes <laughs> you you ask the best questions because like you're bringing bringing in all the all the different parts and it, you know it's allotted an hour but we'll we're we're diving <laughs> into into these areas that are you know huge areas so this takes us from you know from you know sports where i started to uh, meditation and consciousness now we're in psychology which is an overlapping realm and is one of my interests from the beginning and has been even more so lately kind of combining them so <clears throat> this this you know kind of one of the approaches of psychology that's very much uh, followed today is called um, parts-based um, psychology or subpersonalities or different aspects of yourself or voices, uh, personas, it's called in Jungian psychology. So I teach um, the, the simplest system is called internal family systems, IFS, that I work with. It just has a nice model that uh, says that there is this awake consciousness, this effortless mindfulness that is the essential self, and then that our mind is, is not just one, we're not just an ego, that's not who we are. We have these subpersonalities that rotate through the seat of the self, or they form this committee and they argue with each other and they're polarized. And everyone knows this. So, so everyone knows, like, do you have an inner critic? Yes. And so then the key next couple steps are being aware that you're not just one person or that trying to get a strong personality at the center who's achieving good results and is calm and strong and loving. That, that will always be a small thought-based identity. So there already is this radical premise of effortless mindfulness is there's already an essential self that has well-being, that's already aware and awake, that's just waiting for you. And if you can shift into this, be aware as this, from this, and then start to see, oh, I have these parts. There's a critical part. There's a sad part. <clears throat> there's a a real strong organizer part, then there's a shame-based part from that feels like an inner child. And you immediately realize there's no bad parts. So this is the kind of second radical premise that you don't need to uh, fight your inner critic or get rid of it or you know um, send it away, that it's actually its intention is to help you and it just got burdened and it's a little confused and if you can talk to it and say you know become aware of it which is the first awareness of inner psychology oh there's the critic okay well 
and you're blended or identified with it like oh i can't you're either toward yourself i can't believe you just did that what's wrong with you and then or what's that person they shouldn't be doing that you know that we already agreed not that you know and then you realize oh wait a minute that's not me that's the inner critic that's that step is the mindful move to be aware of a part of you and then if you continue to be aware like oh well you know thanks for sharing rather than get out of here or be critical of the critic so that's what most most psychologies even like they try to replace <clears throat> cognitive based psychologies try to replace negative thinking with positive thinking and all that does is really repress certain energies that are already patterned or early childhood parts that are just trying to say well i feel like this is true is this true and if you can dialogue with them from this more open-hearted self then every the whole team can kind of get unburdened and feel more balanced i'd be curious on how would somebody i think somebody's listening right now and they're thinking man this all sounds great luck i want to become more aware i want to become more mindful but what what does this look like day to day tactically could you show us or talk to us about how we could start to implement this as somebody that's listening sure um <clears throat> so yeah so why don't i why don't i do what's called so in effortless mindfulness um these are rather than long closed eyed meditations or need to go off and become an Olympic athlete of meditation. You learn if you have this premise that the flow consciousness or the awake awareness or this effortless mindfulness is already here. And we just have to learn how to shift into it. So it literally is a kind of background foreground shift of a certain kind of awareness and then kind of residing there and being aware from there and then including everything that is here not what they call spiritually bypassing you're not spacing out or <clears throat> zoning out um you're actually just upgrading uh, your operating system so i can do a little inquiry that may work for some people that just takes a minute or so um but it's a series of little shifts that can possibly um be one doorway uh, into this so <clears throat> the premise is that uh we have this current constellation of consciousness which is uh thought-based i think therefore i am and if we try to operate from there we can use it pretty well developing attention and cognitive abilities but it gets too stressed and it literally only can do certain things and it's dominated by survival um, strategies <clears throat> so it's always trying to solve the problem of how do i and when it says i it means ego <laughs> so it's like how do i feel safe how do i get love how do i uh how am i doing what's the problem how do i solve the problem what's the problem outside what's the problem inside it's scanning for danger and looking on all levels 
to try to reinforce itself rather than upgrade itself. <clears throat> so if the premise in this is, well, there's already a more spacious, pervasive, alert awareness that's here that doesn't require concentration or attentional ability, that you're aware from when you do your favorite things, like to get into flow, uh, what if you could let that problem solver relax and just shift into this more open but embodied alert awareness and then just be aware of whatever's happening from a different um, felt sense of more open mind, open heart. So that would be the premise that it's already here. <clears throat> so then the way we'll do this is simply do this inquiry. Uh, which can be done without needing to close your eyes or do anything special, but just understand the question with your uh, thinking and with your mind, but then let go and open to a kind of awareness that you feel when you're walking in the woods or just looking out over a great vista or in kind of a, you know, enjoyable, uh, you know, running, dancing, skiing, uh, swimming <clears throat> feeling. So, so here's the inquiry. So what is here now when there's no problem to solve? Yeah, so just understand the question. It's here now. And then see if you can let the problem solver Relax and just kind of let awareness open to a more spacious, alert, thought free, but very conscious, responsive awareness. So, what's this? What's here when there's no problem to solve? Just now. It's just a quick shift in what, so then what's it like to rest as this awareness rather than be aware of it? And then what's it like to be aware as it and from it? What's the relationship? to vibration, energy, your body, thoughts, emotions, and the world without coming back to create a small problem solver. And just see that... <clears throat> Usually thoughts will go into the background. They're available if you needed to call them up and remember your phone number. You could remember your phone number and then drop it. What is, what is this peace of mind, this flow, this <clears throat> alert awareness that is not orienting to thought like? It's Resting without going to sleep. Resting is that which is deeper than sleep and wide awake. And alert 
and could respond or use your hand or use thought without creating a thinker or an ego center. And just see if it feels familiar to some other type of actual activity rather than even meditation, something you do that you love. Yeah? <clears throat> so that's a little, a little uh, glimpse practice. I love it. It seems like, I feel very calm now, but it seems like a lot of awareness, mindfulness, a lot of the stuff you're preaching, Locke, a lot of it requires you to slow down, mm. take a step back or outside of the box, if you will, and become more focused. Do you think those three things are accurate and how could you expand on those? Yeah. <clears throat> so I think that you only need, you know, like, <clears throat> you know, uh, stop slowing down or stopping. You don't have to do it for like a whole day or a, or a weekend or something like that. You just have to do it intentionally there's back to your word intentional intentionally stop the other <clears throat> perpetual uh operating system just stop from that then as you say i like that step out of the box so literally as if your head is a cloud that you've been trying to clean up and every time you clean up one side and get to the other side the other side gets messy <clears throat> so this is the feeling that you could even feel now. So if you're trying to stay in the cloud or the battery of the body and the mind, step out of the cloud into the sky. I mean, it's kind of, it's actually what it feels like what almost every person in the zone, in the flow, in any advanced meditation system feels this open, big sky mind or interconnection with everything or open view step out of that box literally so what's stepping out of the box is awareness it's not thought or imagination it's literally a feeling like awareness can move itself out of being identified with a thinker or a doer or a problem solver into this subtler dimensions. So some people feel it uh, spatially as more open, others can drop within, kind of drop from head to heart space or to feel the subtlest dimension within that then will open up. So you feel embodied and open and then being aware from there and starting to include everything and start to function, talk, walk, type, relate, create, and then you lose it, you go back to the uh, old operating system that has such a strong habit. And then I have little sayings like, you know, when you realize you've, you've kind of come back, you just say, uh, no big surprise, just re-recognize. Mm. So you just start to learn to return, and then you train to remain. And so that becomes like a athletic training. You, you learn how to shift out into this upgraded operating system, you spontaneously start to live from here, then you lose it, no big surprise, and just back to, <clears throat> so the main approach of this uh, effortless mindfulness is small glimpses 
many times during the day rather than long. So you just catch yourself when you're anxious or in the critic has taken over or despair, the despairing part of you. And then the key, again, back to the psychology is um, I'm so anxious. And then you go to, oh, wait a minute. Oh, there's a part of me that's anxious. Oh, okay. So you don't deny it. You don't try not to be anxious. You step down and say, there's a part of me anxious. And what about, are there any other parts? Oh, yeah, there's another part that's like actually enthusiastic and excited about this thing that I'm, the other part's anxious about. Oh, so there's an anxious part. And then there's like a real excited part that has similar energies, but they're not the same. So then here's the question, if you could find those. So who's aware of those two parts? Where are you aware of the anxious part and the excited part about, a, let's say, a meeting at work or something you're going to present at work? So you're, there's an anxious part, and then there's a kind of excited part because you're prepared and you're ready. Who's aware of those two parts? Well, I am. Where are you? Well, I'm the one that's like an ocean of awareness arising as these two parts that has this intuitive ability and this kind of flow, confidence, and, you know, but is not kind of pushing confidence like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, you know, really present well in that meeting. So that's another part. That's the third part. <laughs> so you see these three parts. One is going, well, you can do it. Go ahead, get in there. Who's aware of that part? Oh, well, I am. And what kind of confidence does that have? That's just trust. That's just easy confidence. There's a big shift, a couple of things. There's a big shift from what you first said was, I'm feeling anxious. And that, that, that felt like you're coding yourself with this feeling. And then you, you, just, you just made one quick shift and said, it's just a, that's just a part of me. And yeah. even you saying that lock was like, oh my gosh, it went from, it went from a, a 10 down to a six. And it was like, yeah. there's another part. Okay. Now, now it's down to a three. I mean, just envisioning you're even the way you're speaking and talking about it brings the anxiety down from, I'm not an anxious person. I'm just feeling anxious. Okay. Bring it down. And now it's just a part of me. There's another part. Now let's bring it down a little bit more. I mean, it really just kind of brings things down and it doesn't, or it prevents you from creating a false reality. That's it. Yeah. And so, you know, again, this is, you know, for your audience who's used to like, <clears throat> okay, here's how you, you know, here's how you work out. Here's the, mm -hmm. you know, do first you do this, then you do this. It's not that different. It's just that this set of tools is not um, just being, um, you know, philosophical. It's not even, it's a type of awareness that you have naturally, but you don't know that you, how to get there unless you're doing something else. So this is, this is just a training to say like, all right, here's a shortcut. Uh, and then that's exactly what you do. You, you realize you just kind of don't judge yourself for having the judge take over. You just start with curiosity and you just go like, and kind of process. There's, now we're getting back to your other word, process, right? So intentionality, then you the, so you know this process is, all right, this is going to happen. I'm a human being. Anxiety, fear, anger, worry, they're going to come up, <clears throat> they're, but they're not me. I, so we move from I am anxious to I feel anxiety to I am aware 
of feeling a part of me that's anxious to I am the awareness that can be with an anxious part and other parts that aren't anxious. And just that, like one, two, three, four, five, and huge, huge. And, and so, and just, you know, cause so that's my interest is like this, you know, let's, let's learn this, the anatomy of consciousness, you know, like, sure. yeah. and it's not, it, you know, when I've moved from kind of reading all these texts and studying with these, you know, kind of Tibetan teachers and all this other, you know, it just seems so esoteric and complex, but as I practice, it's like, oh, that's kind of the same move. So I used my sports stuff. You know, I was also a coach for a while. Like, how do you teach someone to do this or that? It's like, okay, you got to break it down and reverse engineer it. And then, so, so that's, that's really possible, you know, and it's so amazing when you, when you start to realize that it's, it's not easy at first, but it's not <clears throat> unsimple. It is simple. The parts are not that many, but they're new and unique. So you have to kind of learn a, a new language. Where do you think breathwork fits into this whole equation? I could imagine that being uh, in the spot you are a meditation teacher. There's got to be something with breath and being able to slow down. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, so <clears throat> there's a few things about breath. One, uh, one is it's often used as that <clears throat> point of focus because it's uh, it's happening by itself. So breath is happening at some level, and it's used as a focus point. Then there's <clears throat> kind of yogic pranayama, which is just kind of uh, oxygen oxygenating your system. Um, the other thing is related to uh, your nervous system. <clears throat> so the, nerv the brain, the nervous system, and your breath are very, your whole body is, is very connected. So when you become anxious, when your amygdala is firing and you go into fight or flight or freeze, you're in this sympathetic nervous system, which basically takes over your, your body. You feel uh, adrenaline or cortisol, and you're in this low level or medium level or high level fight, flight, freeze, or please is the other one. Um, and um, your breath becomes shallow. And so breath can be, is not the be all end all, but it's, it's kind of a one piece of the pie that some systems like, it's all about breath, but it's, it's a doorway an important piece that if you do, I have a, one of my beginning initial practices called three breaths, three ways. Um, and it basically does a kind of three part yogic breath to fill your belly, open your rib cage, breathe up to your collarbone as if you're breathing into every cell of your body. And then as you breathe out, you breathe out through your mouth as if through a straw, slower and longer. And so there's now research that shows that as you breathe a little more softly and fully, and then breathe out slower and longer, that will, um, will move you from sympathetic to parasympathetic nervous system, which basically is rest and digest, which is um, 
calmer, and it will take you right out of um, this um, physical bind that keeps us from uh, even using our psychological or meditational tools. If our body is in such survival mode, the first practices in most meditations are called peaceful abiding or calm abiding practices. So in yoga and Buddhist meditation and others. Uh, so, yeah, so I think that's, that's the key linchpin of breath. And then there's bigger breath work like, uh, uh, like, um, Wim, you know, um, Wim Hof, Wim Hof right? Mm -hmm. So that, that's a super oxygenating system that kind of almost breaks through your um, ego and, and super oxygenates. Then there's uh, other, uh, other kinds of breath work where you do this rhythmic breathing and you literally go into altered states. So that kind of um, Stan Groff has this holotrophic breath work. You lie on your back, you breathe in this, you breathe, hyper-oxygenate your system and you, you roll your breath so you don't actually ever stop one way or another. And you'll go into uh, what hallucinogens uh, often bring on, which is it'll, it'll over-oxygenate your, your brain so that it, it opens up some of the uh, restrictions in your brain and you start to uh, go through, people go through different things, but it's very similar to uh, hallucinogens. Oh, that's wild. So, so yeah. somebody that, somebody that struggle, struggles with anxiety listening, would you recommend the first the yeah. first strategy of the breath through the up through through the collarbone? Is that the strategy you would yeah. point to? Yeah, yeah, certainly. I have, I have, you know, that was one of my interests is <laughs> because I'll I'll say so. So just to say offhand that um, uh, that I'm I'm I've just created a website that has all these glimpses on it, and within two months of uh, this is. <clears throat> uh, April 2022, in case <laughs> I'll have an app that is available. And, you know, this is, this is my goal is, is okay, I, I feel like I've been given this, uh, stumbled into this world early on from sports to like reading this book, Zen and the Art of Archery, to going to India and Sri Lanka and Nepal and meeting these amazing people long, many years ago. And then really having the interest, let's synthesize, let's, what is, it, what is it they're trying to do? Kind of bringing a more scientific, practical approach. Like, well, what's the goal? How this one and this one, they're doing the same thing. They're just going different ways. What's that? So, so that, you know, working with the first series of most meditational systems is calming anxiety, fear, worry. Um, animal-based fight, flight, freeze, uh, overwhelm, emotional overwhelm, trauma. So those need to be addressed, but uh, you can also over-address them as if you're only treating symptoms. So you can do most meditation systems, just treat the symptoms, and you know people just like exercise, exercise one of the ways of treating the symptoms. That people can get into overexercise for from for trying to treat the symptoms, but the key is they're only the first preliminary practice. 
So if you have anxiety, uh, I created this simple kind of synthesis of <laughs> three breaths, three ways, which synthesizes yoga, Buddhist meditation, polyvagal <clears throat> theory, and um, nervous system breath. Uh, energy, then the second level is energy, prana, or chi, or um, energetic feeling of your body. And then the third level is, is opening to this open flow consciousness that comes back to energy, the body, and then feels open-eyed, able to work with, with others uh, and go back to work. But so that, that would, I guess that's what I would say is that treat the symptoms but then find out what is the root of suffering. So the root of suffering, <clears throat> the first root could be situations in the world or your life. Second could be something that happened in childhood that's trauma that's being repressed. But the third one is the existential identity that you're trying to operate from the small self that can't deal with, you know, super difficult situations if you were in a if you were in um, you know, a war zone or something, you would get PTSD, most likely. Uh, you might not, but... Uh, and then secondly, the small ego having you know, been in outpatient clinics as a psychotherapist and psychiatric hospitals and treated people with complex trauma, the ego is too small to deal with trauma. It just... The trauma's energy is so big that we need to upgrade to this awareness-based uh, capacity that then can, and that upgrading to the subtlest identity is the root of, suffer, is the root of anxiety and suffering and stress. Mm -hmm. It's if you can find that, because it has its essential well-being and um, kind of an okayness that you feel when you're in flow, a kind of a simple joy and like, all right, what are you going to do? Just show up for the next thing. You know, it's not like it's philosophically like, I understand the meaning of the universe, but it's, you know, there's some insight into uh, I'm here now. And, you know, there's some inner capacity that's so big and so deep and so wide and so, uh, interconnected that that dimension of you can't be hurt and then you can deal with the parts that can be hurt and the actual external situations in the world or uh, earlier psychological uh, healing i want to turn back to flow uh real quick so we were talking off air about yohad hari and i had him on the show he did a lot of uh research in the flow department and i remember there's there's three things that he talked about on uh, optimal ways to get into flow he said first you got to do something that's meaningful to you and the second you got to just have one goal you can't focus on a plethora of different things got to be just one thing you're focusing on and then the third one is just that it's got to be on just the edge of your ability if it's too far away You'll lose focus, lose motivation. If it's too easy, then it doesn't stick. Is yeah. there anything you would add to that, change to that? What are your thoughts on those three things on uh, optimal ways to get into flow? Yeah. So I would say I would say the first two are, you know, I would I would say the first first one that it's 
it's got to be meaningful or but meaningful could be enjoyable so it could be well you know is walking in the woods with your dog meaningful i don't know or it's you know go you know uh is it meaningful to go surfing uh, i you know it's got to be uh, of value so maybe that's what meaningful right. means so it doesn't have to have philosophical meaning uh yeah it's got to be of interest value and and your intent intention as you said has to be engaged so that it brings you back to it like oh i'm gonna go you know i feel kind of tired but you know what i'm gonna get on my bike and go for a ride because i know i'll feel better mm -hmm. so it has that value then it's it's one thing which is interesting again i, I qualify each of these a little bit because you know like if you're is it one thing to be let's say you know the classic uh image of a of being in the zone is like a point guard in basketball you know with one minute left you know dribbling down the court so the one thing is okay we've got you know is there one thing or is it there's there's one minute left i'm seeing all my teammates i'm aware of the clock but i'm now everything's slowed down but i'm in my body i'm i'm trusting i'm feeling good i'm noticing what the the strategy of the of the defense is and you know so is that one thing i don't know sure, if that's sure. one thing because <laughs> if one thing is yeah ultimately you're not multitasking so that's the way i would qualify that you're in the zone which actually when you're aware from this flow consciousness you're processing multi-dimensional things without using your attention to try to multitask. Right. So this again is about upgrading awareness from what most people do, which is trying to get better at attention, but you can only go so far. So, so that would be my qualification for, for one thing, because it's one thing and it's also the ability to be in interconnected with everything and then the third one is um what was the third one is just on the edge of your ability on the edge and again i think that is the easier way is on the edge uh but there's no reason why you can't sitting in your chair shift into flow and just be here now or walk down the street so i i actually think this is the key is that it's one of the ways that is easier to get into flow for most people. And then people take it to the extreme. So a lot of the books on flow are about extreme sports. So if you ski to the edge of your ability down the steepest slope and you're just, you have to go into flow to survive your, your mind, your thinker, the attention abilities cannot ski that slope. So it makes you go into flow. So if you're at the edge of something, you, you, you have to go into flow. But uh, if you actually just know how to intentionally shift into flow, you can do anything. And in fact, the, what often they talk about is the 10,000 hours if you've, you know, for a musician or a athlete or even people who do you know, any kind of task at work, you know, they talk about scientists getting into flow. So it can be a mental task uh, or an interpersonal that the other group 
that Csikszentmihalyi uh, talks about is, um, is uh, middle managers who get into flow. So there's an interpersonal flow of, okay, you can do this, and let me get this person to help with that, and I can do this. And so, um, so finding, <laughs> finding that ability to intentionally access flow and then realize you've done 10,000 hours of walking, talking, relating to other people, uh, doing every common task that's not on the edge, that's actually just living from flow in an ordinary everyday life. And then within that day, you're likely to get to a place of like, okay, let me finish this work by noon. And you have to kind of ramp it up a little bit or something. You may want to, you don't have to. But, uh, and then you're, st you're in flow just in your normal consciousness. Now you go to the edge and then you can do that, but it wasn't the edge that was necessary to do it. So, so this is what effortless mindfulness is, is saying that it's natural. The edge can f almost require you to upgrade because you've reached the edge of the ego. But if you shift into it, then you can do anything with the same feeling. <laughs> what would your, I'm, I love it. What would your advice be to the average athlete who wants to get into flow? Is there something that, I don't yeah. know if it's, I don't think the answer is simple. It's probably not, but is there something that the average athlete could say, man, I'd like to experience more flow. How can I do that? Lock? Yeah. So, so one of the things is most people, you know, kind of know how to get into flow um, or not, I won't say most, but some people know how to get into flow and they're like, I don't need advice about how to get flow. I just go in, when I do this, I do that, then I'm in flow. So, but if you learn how to get into flow, then you do the activity. Um, it can, it can make it even more enjoyable. So there's something about, let's say somebody gets into flow by just driving their car to walk in the woods near their home. So you're driving your car, park the car, where's that? Make sure you lock the door. Then you walk in, walk in, then you see the forest ahead of you. You walk in, you like walk in, all of a sudden, two steps, three steps, four steps drop. Now you're in flow or half a mile flow. So what happened there? So to kind of back it up and realize it's not out there. It's not the woods. The car wasn't the problem. And the woods isn't the solution. It's the, it's your gateway to do what, what it, what just happened, not out there because what happens is we focus on the activity or the people or the situation uh, as if, oh, now I can see the woods and I can feel connected to the trees and I feel so much relaxed being here. But what you did is actually inside and almost behind you. <laughs> In other words, what you did is you did similar to the, to the exercise we did, what's here when the problem solver relaxes. So you, you just start to feel like, okay, what is, what, so it's not just the relaxing the key is that you've got to come up with the premise or the experience that there's another operating system so that relaxing, because the 
the problem solver, the ego is going to say, no, 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 you, you, you're going to, if, if you relax me, you're going to walk into a tree. You know, you're like, you know, I, I got, I, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm revved up. It's like, no, there's another operating system. Let me feel how I get into it. And then let me stop and feel how to get into it um, by not only what's happening outside, but what relaxed, and then what did I relax into? And now where am I aware from? What does that feel like? So you're, it's really like, you know, riding a bicycle. You ride a bicycle, and if somebody said to you, all right, uh, are, you, are you balancing on the bicycle? As you're riding down hills, are you balancing on the bicycle? If you went to your head or thought about it, or how are you balancing on a bicycle? Oh, well, I'm just, I'm, when I go left, and then I go right, and then I, it, but if you just know, so the knowing mm -hmm. from the flow consciousness and from what I call awake awareness or ultimately open hearted awareness, open minded, open hearted awareness is the feel of balancing on a bicycle. What is that that knows and could actually react if an animal came out in front of you? You just move, move out of the way, drive, uh, and then, you know, at a speed that's faster than attention and faster than thought. So, so I mean, the, the main way is that, you know, obviously I would recommend, uh, you know, going to this, website that has all these practices because uh you know that's what i'm offering it you know mm -hmm. them and there's you know, a lot of free stuff and a lot of or uh yeah because there's ways to learn how to get into it uh flow and to know what it feels like how you can get back there and both not just outside but what does it feel like what's the shift of awareness that's made and how can you do it intentionally? I want to close down with a quote that I think kind of helps button everything together. It was in your book. I don't remember if you said it, if you're quoting somebody else, but it said, mastering mindfulness means paying attention in a particular way on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally. Can you touch on those three? I think it kind of just pulls everything together as we close yeah. this thing down. Well, yeah, actually, that's interesting because if you if you look at my the the second the, my latest book, I actually use that as the definition of deliberate mindfulness, which is wonderful. And then I give another definition. So instead of paying attention, I say if you keep paying attention only, you're going to become bankrupt because mm. there's no way that you know. And you know, most people who are you know, haven't developed attention or just stay within their mind and their body, paying attention is better than not paying attention. <laughs> However, what I'm saying is, instead of paying attention, open to the already awake awareness that then you're aware from, that is in the now. It's not in the present moment, because the present moment actually, I mean, this is kind of a thing that kind of blows people's mind. But you can't be in the present moment because according to our normal definitions, because the present moment is like a tick tock of a clock. Present moment gone, present moment gone, present moment gone, present moment right. gone. Right. And being in the present time is not even necessarily always helpful. I mean, if you're 
lost in the past or the future, you can come back to the present time. But people who are depressed are actually suffering because they're in the present time and they're like, they can't remember that it was ever better and they can't imagine a positive future. So the present isn't the goal. The now is this flow awareness. So the now is not the present moment, it's not the present time. It's that description of the flow, which is not in the ego, being have this spacious and pervasive awareness that isn't orienting to thought, that's aware of what's happening um, and can respond without reacting both to what's happening inside of you and outside of you effortlessly, because the awareness is effortlessly aware. It doesn't require paying attention or being um, concentrating or effortful. It's surrendering or letting go into this, but then from that, there's an intentionality of choice that's happening from, from effortless mindfulness or flow consciousness. I love that you close that down with non-judgmentally because yeah. I, I think that's really crucial. Can you touch on that part before we close down? Sure. Yeah. So, so the non-judgmentally is, is, the first, <laughs> is the first move from uh, being in our egos which, and in our minds, which are judgmental or critical. So when you shift to that paying attention mode of the mindful meditator, it's not judgmental. But then if you go the next level to flow consciousness or uh, open-hearted awareness or this effortless mindfulness, what happens is actually you go beyond non-judgmental to almost a sense of uh, unconditional love or interconnection or joy or, or bliss. So enjoyment or joy is, is one step beyond non-judgmental because you're not judging it. Yes. And you can see something like you like or don't like, yes. but you're also like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like not judge, non-judgmental is kind of an absence halfway there. Uh, and, and my whole thing is don't stop halfway, keep going uh, into this kind of meditation and action rather than just uh, stopping at this detached witness, which I call getting caught in the witness protection program. <laughs> this, is, this is cool, man. I love this stuff. Um, so we mentioned a lot of uh, links, obviously books, uh, anything that you want to point my listeners to that can help support you or learn more about this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, so I think, I think the most active thing, if you go to my website and look for this um, mobile platform, uh, lock, www lockkelly.org, uh, you'll see a link to this, um, you know, that it's on the web, it's on the phone, and eventually it'll be an app. But it has, what it has is these, all this series of micro meditations, uh, ability to actually have some community interaction. There's small groups that form online. Um, there's advanced courses, but there's this daily glimpse that comes every day that's cool. new one to 10 minutes comes into, you know, you, it's new every day, rotates through. So you can kind of just, um, you know, try it every day. And then, um, you know, certainly reading one of the books, if you're interested more in the theory, you can read either of my two books, uh, 
shift into freedom is the first one and the more what I call the big book. It's a little more theoretical. And then I actually wrote the little simpler one, second, The Way of Effortless Mindfulness. They're both phenomenal books. I encourage everybody listening to go check them out. Uh, Locke, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you taking the time. Very enlightening conversation. Get, gets me thinking about thinking, which is one of my favorite things. So uh, thank, <laughs> thanks again for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the MyFit Podcast. Yeah, thanks, DJ. I really enjoyed it. Glad to meet you.